I'm Jason Bailey Losh, and you're listening to Seeing is Forgetting Conversations on Contemporary Art and Culture in Los Angeles and Beyond. Today's guest is Michael Tebow. So, this interview was conducted quite a while ago. I have to thank Michael for having the patience of allowing me the time to get this up in the program, but also thank him for taking the time to come on the show. Michael ran a gallery here in Los Angeles, he was quite successful. And then he left and went back to Minnesota, where he's from. He is helping to set up an art and finance company based in Shanghai currently. And he's also in talks of setting up an additions company based in the United States. He may very well soon be returning to the Los Angeles area, but that is uh, to be announced. So without further ado, here's Michael. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for having me. We were just talking about sound, and you have a history with recording and sound. Yeah, that's what I originally went to school for. Like undergrad or grad? Like what, Undergrad, yeah. What were you going to do? I've always played music since a very early age. And What did you play? Uh, I started, we had a piano. We had an upright piano in my house growing up, and so I kind of took to that. And then... Did your mom make you take lessons or something, or did you want to? I did take lessons. It wasn't... Piano's never been my, like passion necessarily right I, I know i know how to, to play it now drums were kind of my big thing no shit yeah so i started playing i think when i was like 10 or 11 so do you still play drums it's not the most like do you play anything or not i i make electronic music on my computer i just got a midi and a look i've got a drum machine oh yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> i had a different version of that same midi controller actually so you went to school to study recording or what was yeah well or music or what it, what was it for there's a longer story that, but yeah, I, I originally went to school uh, at Tulane in New Orleans, not Wait. not for engineering. Where are you originally from? I grew up in a few places, I guess, depending on what day you would ask me, I'd either say Mariposa, California, which is outside of Yosemite, or Rochester, Minnesota, which is where I went to high school. Okay, so you and I <coughs> have known each other for a while now. We both went to, I'm, this is, I'm giving this background because sure. it's it's going to preface the next statement that I make. We met when we went to mountain school together in 2013. I think it was, right? Yeah, yeah, MSA. Yeah. You were always a little cagey about shit. It's hard to like nail you down on certain shit, like where you're from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I've heard that I've heard that before. It, it's not, not in a bad way. No, 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 no. I don't I don't take it personally. I just, um, <laughs> it's 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 hard for me to answer because it's like the time that I've lived anywhere the longest was Chicago. But I don't I'm not from Chicago. And if it, I know a lot of people who are like legitimately How long were you in Chicago? Seven or eight years. That's a long time. Yeah. Been in my adult life. Yes. Like formative years or what? No, I moved there when I was 21 or something. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's like important. Yeah, no, it was like, it's by far the most, Subs- my adult, my now life would be completely different. Substantial had I part of that. your history. Yeah. I don't, wouldn't feel comfortable saying I'm from Chicago. I'm, no. So if I'm not from Chicago, am I from the town I went to high school in? Because I only lived there for four years. Dude, why did you move around? It was not a decision that was up to It was to family me. stuff? Yeah. Like jobs and stuff or what? Yeah, well... Largely, the move from California to Minnesota when I was, I think, 12 or 13 or so was largely due to my parents getting divorced. So yeah. Do you have siblings? I do not. So it was just you? Yep. That's really tough. I I, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I don't know any different, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just like that age, move in like on your own. That's it. 
Yeah, I moved a lot, though. I kind of got used to it. There's a big change in moving from California to Minnesota as well, too. <laughs> Incredibly. Which, right? Yeah, like it's... It, Especially when you're like 12, it's like, holy crap. Yeah, I mean, like there's literally... It's not similar <laughs> in any way. <laughs> like, uh, Being from Iowa, I think, which is uh, Minnesota, the, for those who don't know, is directly north of us. Minnesota was the place where things were actually happening. Uh-huh. So, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twin cities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wait, where were you in Minnesota? Uh, two years in this tiny, tiny town called Wadena, which is like north central Minnesota. How big was that? 4,000. Yeah. It, without any hyperbole, incredibly similar to the I don't know, the fictionalized town that's in Gummo. Really? Yeah. It was like backwoods. Like You know, wh- one of the things that I've always found, too, is when you talk to people about you're from a small town, mm-hmm. and if they're from, let's say they're from California, they'll be from, oh, I'm from a town of like 4,000. But that town of 4,000 is within 10 minutes of a town of 200,000. Sure, sure, sure. It, you know, it's not the same. Yeah, like on paper, Malibu is 10,000 people. But it's, right, right. It so, yeah. but when you're in the Midwest and you're from a town of 4,000, or my hometown, 7,000. Mm. Which is where? Uh, I, Dennis and Iowa. Okay. So we're an hour and a half from Omaha, mm. but that hour and a half, you can drive for about 90% of it and not see another car on the road sometimes. Sure. You, you know, and yeah. it's a lonely place. <laughs> it, it's just a totally different feeling. So yeah. I guess when I was talking about the difficulty of being that kid and you said that you don't know the difference, like the difficulty being going from like a California thing to a Minnesota thing is what I was sort of like. Yeah. Okay. Well then, yeah. I mean, uh, the, I definitely didn't have any comrades in that journey. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. doing that as a solo endeavor at that <clears throat> age is like not an easy thing to ask. And it was not an easy thing for me to do. It was very difficult. So you were in Minnesota and then you went to school. There was this era of kind of drifting on my part and that was fairly short, but I, I, uh, I was actually employed as a skateboard photographer for a about two years and so that's awesome that's the thing about minnesota because uh i was never a great skateboarder but i was the only one you know like there, there's a very very small amount of people who skate no i know i was a skateboarder back in iowa oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i was terrible but i was one of the few so yeah. it was like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was, i was thinking that when i was like 15 or 16 i had a sponsorship but it wasn't like a great one are you kidding really well wow. the, by default you know yeah because what else they got in the area there was six other people that yeah, we're competing and all got the same sponsorship. Yeah, and then Minneapolis is like has a, you know, prospectively bigger. So you started there. doing photography <clears throat> off of that. Yeah, I started working for this skate shop, the one skate shop in Rochester, and then uh, that skate shop ended up getting bought by a larger skate company, which ended up getting bought by an even larger skate company, and some of those people ended up going pro, like for real, like good. Yeah, like like birdhouse level. Like, oh wow. Yeah, so like. I had learned how to hold a video camera and skate at the same time pretty well. And I had learned how to, you know, shoot 35 millimeter slide film pretty well with like, a, cool. with like a fisheye lens and all that, yeah. you know, that very nineties type thing. And, and so like, yeah, I, I could sell those photographs. So during, who did you, did you work independently or what did you do? Yeah. Well, I, I, um, I traveled with a team. I traveled with a few teams, but, uh, yeah, so we'd, I'd shoot at demos and I'd shoot parts of videos what, sometimes. Any teams we'd know or not? This is like this would be real deep skateboard stuff. Yeah, but that's sort of great. Okay, this this team <laughs> this team that ended up getting bought ultimately got bought by Birdhouse when I was a part of them. Where they were called Roots. Okay, which um was then bought by this Minneapolis uh, company called Phobia Iota. Where Phobia and Iota were two separate companies that converged. and then they combined and then they got bought and then they got bought. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, so we we go to Denver a lot for demos. We go to Portland and go up and down the West Coast and. I sold a good amount of those photographs to magazines. 
How does that pay? At the time, it's a different area, right? 17. So yeah. if you give me $200 for taking a photo when I was 17, it was like, yeah, it's amazing. that was an incredible amount of money. Right, and you get to travel and do everything else. Too. Yeah. And I was, you know, it, the skateboarding is a very kind of transgenerational thing. So I was like hanging out with older guys, adults, yeah, guys like 30, you know, and yeah. like, and then I was also hanging out with these like kids who were like seven. I don't know. It's a very unique way. It's sort of amazing. So you did that for two years. Uh, I did that professionally for two years. And wow. so that, that, that ultimately took me to New Orleans because um, I had spent uh, a summer in Portland with some friends of mine. And I liked Portland okay, but I, you know, I definitely didn't see myself there. And so I was like, what would be the polar opposite between Minneapolis and Portland, which are similar, but still in the U.S.? I guess that would be New Orleans. I had never been there, but that was like what I had, like, <laughs> from reading Confederacy of Dunces, your, I figured yeah, that yeah. that was the, the thing to do. And so I, I like literally moved there a few days later and started going to school there not Holy too Lord. long after. Yeah. I kind of like walked on. Were you always impulsive or not? Uh, Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I had nothing to lose. No one was telling me not to. Yeah. Uh, no one on either side of my family, my media family, has ever gone to a four-year university, so no one could tell me not to do it. It didn't matter either Yeah, way. it was like, the worst thing that could happen would be I would drop out. and be So did you, did you apply for music, or what did you apply for? <laughs> Photojournalism. Really? Yeah. Well, that's those, what your portfolio was, right? Photos, yeah. And I, like, was acknowledged as doing that. That's amazing. So, so like, but you didn't do that when you got in? Uh, a little bit. I mean, like... I had no idea what I was doing. Well, I knew that I wasn't going to be going much further in terms of like professional skateboarding. That isn't the end route for anything. Yeah. And like even at the time, I was like 17, 18. I was like, this is not something that people do when they're 60. Yeah. This how long gonna, are you going to yeah. be able to do this? And I and, and managed to not ever have like a, a serious injury. Like, want to don't want to do that. have the serious injury. And so I was like, school seems like a safe bet, you know? You only knew up until this point. I guess you you said you were a musician, but like... Right. Did it just seem like a natural fit then to go into music when you were there? Uh, well, I had always been making music on my own. And if I knew that I didn't want to uh, over-educate myself in music, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I, I didn't want to know yeah, too yeah. much. I never had a problem coming up with, like, on any instrument. I could figure out something right. that I could do that I liked. Yeah. So I was like, I don't need to study this. I just need to study something. And that, right. that, that was the idea. So how long did you, did you finish out there? No, I, I went to school in New Orleans for two years, and then I transferred to the University of Minnesota, Minneapolis, St. Paul. You wanted to go back to Minnesota or what? New Orleans was a difficult place for me to live. Because? I was like 17, yeah. and the area that I moved into, I, the things I was confronted with on a daily basis a little were rough. too much for me. Yeah, I could go into that further. I don't know. It gets kind of dark. And yeah. it was just basically you got to a point where you reached your level of... I had enough. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was like every day it was just like... A new thing. What weird ambush am I going to have to you know, figure my way out of today? And in a very literal sense, like I got mugged all the time. I witnessed various acts of violence all the time, you know, and like then going to school there wasn't really. So it's sort of amazing you lasted two years. Yeah. I mean, like had I to do it over again, I probably wouldn't last like a month. You know? Really? Yeah. I mean, it was like I, I for some reason I just assumed that like. This is what big cities are like, you know? And you were supposed to do it. To yeah. And also, like, I definitely have this kind of thing of, you like, You stick that nothing, shit out? Yeah, stick it out, and nothing yeah. is easy. And the harder something is, the better yeah. you are for doing it. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. You're going to learn something from it, so don't be a failure and quit. Yeah, and I definitely learned a lot, but not... You learned a lot about getting the fuck out of there, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when you when you went to Minnesota again... Yeah, that st- was kind of like a safety net for me. Did you start... Do you keep studying music or not? Uh, no, I ended up graduating with a psychology degree. Actually. Really? Yep. Wow, that's a total flip. Yes and no. I mean, like it just it kind of happened that uh, 
the, a lot of the journalism classes I was taking kind of fell under this like communications bracket, which also then kind of transferred into psychology. School's always weird about all that shit. They are. Yeah. yeah. And how they, how they set up their actual departments. Yeah. So you're back in Minnesota, you graduate. What the heck are you going to do with a psychology degree? Never had any plan to do anything with it. You just wanted to graduate. Didn't even go to my graduation. You didn't? No. I was like, I, it had no meaning to me whatsoever. I'm surprised I graduated at all. What, what do you think? Do you think it was part of that thing of like trying to finish things out, like the carry through type shit? Um, or you just it was even, literally, what else am I going to yeah, do? Yeah, what else you got to like? Yeah. What else am I going to do? I might as well finish school. Yeah, going to school in Tulane was like strangely inexpensive, so, and then also going to school in Minneapolis was so even less expensive. If you're that ambivalent about finishing school, then what the heck are you going to do when you get out of school? Move to Chicago immediately. Why Chicago? Well, if, okay, I sort of know why Chicago because yeah. in the Midwest, Chicago is the biggest thing. Yeah, happening. Sure. Right, like yeah. that is the place you go. And it's, I had I had gotten a taste for it over the years. You so, did. Yeah. So, and you have friends up there already. Yeah, a few. Okay, so it's like that's a safe thing too. I mean, the first night that I moved to Chicago, hours after I moved to Chicago, I met Patrick Walsh, Sarah Gomez, Daniel Pineda. No shit. Uh, Robert Beecroft. So, uh, Caleb Lyons and I. All of these yeah. artists and stuff that are now in LA. For yeah. those listening who yeah. don't know all those names, you should. Well, Robert now lives in New York, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, there. but it's people that are prominent in the art world. Mm-hmm. And so been extremely prominent in my life ever since then. Really? Yeah. yeah. So how long and there? You... And there were others too. So what I... were you doing up there? What in Chicago? Yeah. What I, did wanted, you... I moved to Chicago because I. You were young. I was. I was young. I mean, I graduated high school early, and so therefore I graduated. So what were you like? Twenty three. 22? 21. Oh, you were still 20? I graduated high school when I was like barely 17. No, I moved to Chicago because I wanted to. So you got out of college at 20, 20. Okay, so 21. That's actually when I graduated college too. Oh, yeah. What What did you do? I I moved there with the intention of becoming the best um, musician, whatever that means, that I could be. So you played? A lot. Everywhere. What did you play? Um, at that point, I was mostly doing digital and analog synthesis, I think. In bands, the best or? way to explain. Yeah, I was in a, I was in a couple bands, but I was kind of, I've never been the best team player, I suppose. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I find that so hard to believe. <laughs> I mean, I, I love playing with people. I really, really enjoy playing music with people a lot. But if there's a schism in terms of decision making, like, like you're not on the same agenda, then it's just like, what's the point? Yeah, and there's very few people that I played with that I feel like, you know, I could play with one person, easy. If that, if there was like right, a, because you can get in the groove. Yeah, and but the, when the you roles have, are defined. When you get a third person into the mix and all of a sudden somebody else starts having too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, right? and when the drummer wants to start talking about like melody, it's like, no, you know, it's <laughs> not your job. Hey, keep that beat. Mm-hmm. It's totally good. And could you just repeat that over and over? That yeah. would be fantastic. And also good drummers are very difficult to find. So it's like, <laughs> You'd be like, hey, you know what? <laughs> I'll just do this on my computer real quick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I got pretty good. I mean, I released a number of things on my own. Did you really? I did a couple one-off things with a couple, like, small labels. Are they online or not? Uh, not anymore. Well, if you looked if you really, really hard. Like, yeah, you might, might find something. But. So were you, like, you look back at that and the music that you made. Are you proud of that shit? Of course. Yeah, yeah I, I would yeah. be too. Yeah. You know, in some ways, what I was doing at that time, along with some other people, um, not just in Chicago, but other people in the world, has become a, a bigger a, thing, a part of the vernacular of pop yeah. music in, in a much different way than I had ever would have thought. Chicago is one of those cities where things grow out of it in a weird way, with music specifically too. Yeah, it's an odd place for live music, especially. I feel like 
I was really into the punk scene in Omaha when I was in high school. I've heard great things. I've There was a place called the Cog Factory that was in Omaha, and it was an underground club that was illegal, but incredible bands would play there. And if you go back and you look for the Cog Factory online, you'll find this like history of the actual place and saw some amazing bands play. There was this band called Mousetrap that was in Omaha, and they were sort of the biggest thing going around. And then they moved to Chicago to try to make it out of Chicago. Mm. But I, I saw uh, JFA, Jodie Foster's Army. I saw Fear. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, like, yeah. Like, all these people. I saw... What um, year did Fear stop being a band? I don't know. I was thinking about this yeah. the other day. Somebody played it, I Love Living in the City, on, like, an album the other day. And I put it on a mix, too. But, like, that had to been... This was 1995 or 94 that I saw them. Wow. Yeah, we're talking like that's 20 plus years ago now. Yeah, there's so, one of those, one of those bands I always assumed well, everyone is dead. Well, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. what about Jodie Foster's Army too? Like who the fuck? Like that JFA is like yeah. not been around forever in a day either. Right, right, right. Yeah, but I saw Minor Threat and all those guys back there. Cool. Yeah, it was yeah. like a really, it was a good time to be sort of Iowa and into punk. Yeah. <laughs> but we'd see all of this stuff sort of transition out of, Omaha and move its way up into Chicago, but then hmm. people had a hard time sort of like this band Mousetrap, which was incredible. They they couldn't... I don't know if Chicago is a good midway Like a city. launching point? Yeah, like it's like... You'd be better off going to New York or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because I feel like in New York, you'd be like this oddity of like these weirdos came out of here from Omaha and let's hear what they have to play. Well, and even in then... Chicago, it would not be taken that way. It would be like get in line with the, these other bands because no one cares. You're in Chicago. Yeah. You're, how long were you there playing music? Like, what was the what was the gig? I was kind of on my own there for two years. There's this guy that I went to high school in the same town with. We didn't go to the same high school. His name is Caleb Lyons. Maybe you know him, maybe you don't. He lives here. Um, and Caleb went to school with Patrick and Sayer and all those guys. Oh, uh, okay. That's and how you met him. <clears throat> yeah. So, like, when I moved to Chicago, I was just kind of instantly indoctrinated into the, the Art Institute. Yeah. So this couple of years that I was in Chicago, had weird jobs. And you just made a living on scrap. I mean, I had jobs. There's okay, just, there was yep. like there's like not really relevant comment worthy necessarily. And so like, but while I was doing that, I I became known as the guy who knew how to use recording equipment. Ah. And so whenever uh, a friend of ours would make a video, like an artwork, and they wanted a soundtrack for it. I was the You'd one, be brought in to help. Yeah, out. or if someone made an installation and wanted like an audio component or a sound component, I was the one. And sometimes that included composing and like doing quite a bit. That's so awesome. In those two years, I ended up being in like 30 group shows, like non-intentionally. Like it was not something I was actively seeking out. But that's great. Yeah, and so at the end of those two years, I was like, I don't want to tour. I don't really like this band. I don't really find too many people that I want to play with. And why are all these art kids telling me that I'm making art when I don't think or know that I am. Right. I, I really kind of sat down for a few months and was like, what is the difference between music, sound, and art? At the time, there was this very kind of generous, you know, for lack of a better term, community. And so, like... <laughs> say, it with, <laughs> say it with disdain and, I, like, I, I don't total like, hate. I don't like that word at all. Lane really, A and I, he convinced me that was a, that was a bad word. But um, there was this kind of, like, this open-door policy. And it's like, there, there was a lot of these, like, you know... These kids 23, 24 years old. And so the group shows were like everywhere, and especially yeah. in Chicago. There's this long history of apartment galleries and alternative spaces. DIY stuff. Yeah. Like some of it really grungy, you know? And, and, yeah. and so like, but that's the best way shit happens sometimes. Yeah. And so there was a, this era where it was like, if I had an idea that was good enough, you just make it happen. You tell somebody about it. And all of a sudden yeah. it was like a reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I collected this little portfolio 
and didn't really know what to do with it. But I was like, well, you know, I'm not, I, I, just, I slept, walked my way through undergrad. I didn't, I never had any interest in being a photojournalist or a psychologist. I had no aspirations to go to grad school for either. Yeah, but you were a kid too. You didn't know. Yeah, I know. I, I, don't, I didn't feel bad about it. I knew it at yeah, the time. I had no idea. Like even while I was there, I was like, what am I doing? Right. Yeah. You know? And um, and so I put together this little portfolio with the help of a few people and, and I took it to the Art Institute and I was like, what can I do with this here? The School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Yeah. And I ended up ultimately getting basically a full scholarship. So when I was going to school in Chicago, I knew that I needed to do as many internships and as many things outside of school as possible because the actual classes, I wasn't really like, there was a few really great ones, but a lot of them weren't that revelatory necessarily. Yeah. So I was like, well, I should go do my own thing and try to figure out my own like education for this that will be more catered to me specifically. And so I ended up doing a lot of things. And so the last two years I was there, I decided to open an apartment gallery in Chicago. I found this apartment that was just like too good not to. Yep. And so I ran this project space out of my living room, although it didn't really look like a living room. It was. Was it, it called something or not? It was called Monument Two. Okay. What year was this? That was from 2009 to 2011. Oh, that's a while. Yeah. So not lo- that long before mountain school either. Well, when I moved from Chicago, obviously I didn't take that with me, and uh, <laughs> I moved. I the, we did our last show I think in June or July, and then I moved to L.A. in September 2011. Yeah, you you moved here about the same time I did. Six years now, right? Yep. Yeah. Almost exactly. Actually. So the Close gallery, I'll probably do, when we do the intro, I'll talk about this a little bit, mm-hmm. but why have a conversation with you on the show or what you're doing and that mm-hmm. type of stuff? It's because you opened up a gallery here in LA too. I mean, that's one of the reasons, right? Sure did. So it's a follow-up to what happened in Chicago where you're opening up an apartment gallery. And Well. Okay. But in the sense that you're running a space. Yes. So in the very in the, some basic fundamental things yeah, were the same. You're running yeah, yeah. the space. You're right. you're you're showing work. So yes. So you did that for two years in Chicago while while being a student. But yeah. yeah, yeah. And you enjoyed it. I did, and that was the thing. It was like that project space at the time got me more attention than anything I'd ever done. On Isn't my that own. funny how that shit works, right? Yeah. Like any work that you do is sort of overshadowed by the fact that you're running a space. <laughs> Right. Well, it was I, I. I wasn't resentful of it in any way. It was. Uh, no, it, it was, works. No, it was great. And I was like, oh, like I, I can do this. I, I actually, you know, I had to start doing studio visits and things, and I really enjoy doing those most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Some notable exceptions. <laughs> I mean, like genuinely, and I, I, I really mean that. Like one of my favorite things to do is to do studio visits with people that you know I admire. And, is it really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think people are kind of surprised when I say that, but it definitely is true. And I would say I don't. I actually I enjoy doing. The first thing I did when I came to LA was start doing studio visits because it's the best way to get to know people and get people to invite you into the community. Yeah, to really become like a part of something quickly. And also, it's also I, so weirdly intimate. It's super intimate. You know? It's and, really, it's really, really intimate. And yeah. I think for me, I you were talking about being known as the guy who had the thing. I was. Probably when I first moved here, known as the guy who did the studio visits because I was doing so many studio visits all the time. Yeah, you know, but that's not a bad thing. No, I mean, I, I, I learned more from the combination of exhibiting work in Chicago and doing studio visits in Chicago and and here than anything I've ever done. It's incomparable. Um, Do you think I, one of the issues I have with studio visits when I bring people into my studio now, though, uh-huh. I'm a little more careful of who I bring into the studio because sure, the people you bring in there. I guess I'm a little... can ruin your day. 
everything's always flavored by the agenda of the person who is Absolutely. actually walking in, right? They already have a, they're already dealing with their own shit. Yep. And they flavor whatever content that they give you with their own pre-ordained yep. sort of like issues they're dealing with back at their own house or their studio or whatever the fuck yep. else it is. So you can't take, have, but it took me forever to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And I mean forever. I mean like till like a year ago. Yeah. You know, I, people, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, because depending on who it is, depending on how articulate f- they are, how what they do, what well, they represent, oh, that they, oh they can stay with you forever. It sounds so corny, but I mean this this thing you can tap into with 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 an artist doing a studio visit when things are going right. I feel yeah. is unreplicatable and is one of the joys of what I do. Now, on the on the other side of that, when I'm being brought in with an agenda, you know, or, like they're bringing you in because they think they're going to get something out of you, or what? yeah, when I feel like I'm being taken because you're running a gallery or, space, or yeah, or if I I know how I can come off. I know that I can kind of talk in vague terms sometimes. I know that like. The way that I do kind of a free associative thing when I'm doing studio visits in trying to like circle a point that I'm trying to get at yeah. is irritating to some people. If that's not clicking, yeah, it's gonna then be, it goes really bad. bad. Yeah, and that, that's you know, thankfully it's only happened like literally a few times, but those those days I remember. So you come out to L.A. Why did you come to L.A. with the intention of opening a commercial gallery? You knew it right away. Uh, I knew that before I left Chicago. Well, okay. well before I left Chicago. Okay, yeah. so you open a space out here. Eventually. Okay. And it's called? Uh, formerly Michael Tebow, and then it brief, briefly changed to something else. And then, okay, but it's your name. Yes. And how long were you open? As of today, I haven't told really anyone that I'm closed. But you were like, clo- didn't you close down for a little bit and then open back up? Uh, I took a seven-month break that I think in some people's minds was an eternity, and other people didn't even know. You can go either way. I think you had, like, though, when you opened that... Like you were sort of hot off the presses, like you were like the happening shit, like right away when you opened that space. You you put together you put together really good shows right away. The reason I would say that is because you put together really good shows right away. Thank you. And it felt as if you were tapped into having a conversation and not just putting together a commercial conversation. Right. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. Was that the intention? Yes. Okay. Maybe too much because you didn't make enough money. I did initially. That, that was that was the we're at that like we we're at a good point in the market, right? I think I sold four things off the wall the opening night of my first show, and that was like holy shit. I didn't know any different. I was like, I didn't know any better. I was like, this is, I guess, this is how things. This is go. what LA is. If you do a show that is like, I felt really a good show. I, I was very uh, happy with that. I'm very happy with almost everything that I've done as that gallery, with a couple of exceptions. But I mean, every. I, <laughs> I mean, it's the sad truth. Yeah, I mean, but like, this life, right? Yeah, ninety-five percent. I'm like very proud of. You know, this. I think this just comes from inexperience in running a commercial gallery and, and maybe uh, having my eyes too much on the prize. But I, I thought that like if I just do what I want to do and put together the things that I want to see, I'm gonna blow this shit up. Then people are gonna like it, and they do. But I mean, it's like that doesn't. So who doesn't the, translate into solvency? Those those four pieces off the wall to begin with. Mm. The people that bought those were the LA collectors. Who were they? Um, and we agreed. By the way, were yeah. I'm not going to. No, no, no. But before I'm going to say this to the audience. Yeah. Before we started this, I always say to people, "What are we not going to talk about?" Mm-hmm. And we said we're not going to name names, which I'm more than happy not to do because I don't. It's not a gossip thing. Yeah. But also this in general terms make everyone's life a little more difficult. Yeah. Well, I just want to talk about it in general terms anyway. Yeah. So <clears throat> were they L.A. collectors? Couple were. One was a. Uh, advisor from new york another was advisor from here how did they find out about the show then i have no idea like my like my 
email list at that, that point was like 700 people. It was nothing. Not very big. No, small. And like a lot of those people didn't even live in Los Angeles. It wasn't until I think the third show that I did that I surreptitiously obtained other people's mailing lists. <laughs> and so like I went from uh, 700 to like 10,000 like really quick. How did you do that? I can't say. Yeah, but you it happened. It happened. On the DL. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which was important? Board members of MoMA read my emails every time I send them. Like, but it, it mattered. You Did you see a difference right away or not? When I started traveling and doing studio visits after I had opened the gallery, like within the first year, you know, yeah. I, I would go places. People knew who I was and I had never met them. It's sort of amazing. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like you're doing something right. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. So long term, it could make a fucking difference. Enormous. Yeah. 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 No, no. I mean, like in terms of sale, like we can't base this conversation off of sales necessarily because no, that would be a very hard talk to have in terms of... That presence is sort of yeah. this commodity that is almost... Because, I mean, like, I you know, I wanted to um, be well-respected in Los Angeles. And I think my, my mission statement from day one was to be the defining gallery of my generation in L.A. But I think if, if you break that and kind of un- unpack a little bit, being the defining gallery of Los Angeles means something different than it did 50 years ago. Where, you it's know, something right? different than it means five years ago, right? Uh, I wouldn't say five. Maybe I think it means something significantly different than it did in the nineties. I think I, it, I think the change from since we moved here to where we are now is still drastically different. In, what, think, in what way? I think that when I moved, I think when both of us moved here like six years ago, the entire vocabulary was around the school, the schools. So I, I guess I missed that because I never really paid attention. Yeah, to grad there schools. was like a there was an in with the grad school. So like when I got here, I, I mean USC definitely had a, a, a UCLA, USC. Like there was this in with the grad schools, and the gra- the community revolved around the grad schools. And I don't feel like it does anymore. Not in the way that it did. Sure. Six years ago, and I feel like a lot of the things that happened or started to happen started out of the graduate schools, and that was a holdover from. 1970, 1980, whatever, like mm-hmm. it was a holdover from the past. And for some reason, I think it's probably the influx of new blood where it was just you have these new communities that are building up right now yeah. that are not part of that graduate program uh-huh. that that they don't need that to survive. So like when I got here, I needed the introductions to those people to like have a conversation. Right. That's Those are all great points. I guess my view is a little bit different because I never really focus on grad work and I never really do. I kind of actively didn't do grad studio visits. So yeah. I didn't. But you knew those, you knew the people who were already part of the community. So like Sayer yeah. was here and like, Yeah, I mean, Sayer had been out of grad school, I think five or six years at that point. Yeah, but I mean, you already had a connection to the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't need a, you didn't need an in because you already had your in with. Actually actively trying not to be involved in. Is that right? Stuff. Yeah. Um, so what, so we lead, we lead ourselves here now. And earlier you said like, you haven't actually announced the closure of the gallery, mm-hmm. but like, is the gallery closing now? Yes. There, there will be no changing of the spaces and, and building out a new space in my future. That was the plan a few months ago, but it's no longer the plan. So why? There's no one answer, but I mean, I guess my goal from day one was to continue a career. To create a business that actually functions. Yeah, but term. in the long term. Yeah, know, long term. I mean, like I, I had definitely been given the option to do some shows that would have been high yield but i did not because you not, were looking like long long term down the road yeah people were approaching me on a daily basis to do things i didn't want to do but i knew that they would be very uh, profitable and i turned them all down every so, every time so you look back at that now and you know the gallery's closing do you regret it no at all no not for a second why 
because I did what I wanted to do in my way and external forces are no longer making that possible. I, I, I don't blame myself. If I wanted to run a gallery that made a lot of money, I could do that. Right. I know how to do that. That was never my... It was never the impetus or like... Well, I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to do things I don't want to do for money. I may as well be selling cars. I well, could go like, manage a fucking Walmart. Well, this is what we talked about when I brought up the gallery to begin with. It was a show that didn't seem like it was built toward the market. It was a show that was built toward putting and, together good artists. It and had good, two people from Los Angeles in it. Yeah, you know, which it, is a rarity thing. It, the one thing that I have heard from multiple people is if you're going to open up a gallery here, you need to have L.A. artists so mm-hmm. that L.A. collectors will buy you. Um, that's probably true. Right. I wouldn't know. I mean, that's what. <laughs> but I mean, like, and, and that's not. It's not that I have like a problem with artists living in LA. I hold everyone to the same standard, and You're I wanted to make the best program. thing that I wanted to do with what was available to me at the time. And uh, I think at the time, I thought shoehorning in grad work from USC was not going to forward the exhibition with a capital E that I wanted to make. I, I don't disagree with you. And so, you know, financially, although the first twenty-four months. I made more money than I had in my entire adult life combined. Really? Yeah. Financially, in the long term, there's smarter ways to go about things. I uh, I got it in my head that like every dollar earned should be put directly back into the to gallery. the gallery, yeah. And I think maybe if I were to do that over again, I would you say put some 70 aside. cents would go back <laughs> to the gallery. But, you know, like you can't, I can't live off, off of, of nothing. Off of nothing. And, and that definitely caught up with me. And I, I kind of overextended myself a number of times because I was super excited about doing things that I wanted well, to you see. Well, I do that in the studio all the fucking time, dude. I'm sure you do. I'm <laughs> yeah. so in debt. Yeah. Like it's constantly. You Everything everything plus 120% goes back into making more work. Yeah. Right? And you yeah. always think, I think the problem we get into as artists or like people who are passionate about the things we do is we always think that like, God, if I give this thing away or if I put like this amount of money into it, like eventually it's going to come back. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like if I'm really passionate about this shit and I really like other people are going to be passionate about it. Yeah. And that so rarely happens. Well, it it does. It does happen sometimes. sometimes, But I mean, like I never want to. It also has. It took me a while to learn. It has nothing to do with success in the way that I determine success. You think there's a lot of luck to it? No, I mean, when I'm, I, I don't think that my gallery was unsuccessful. I think it was unsuccessful right. in generating okay. a sale. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, but I mean, I don't want to sound too egoist or maybe maybe even delusional, but I feel like what I've done will be remembered for a, a while. Yeah, that's fine. It means more to me than yeah. you know, like there are other galleries that have closed down that were more commercial. That yeah, well, there's some yeah that that's definitely true. There are other galleries that started out with an incredible amount of investor money um, started out with uh, you know years and years and years of experience working other places there are galleries that started out solely with the intention of trying to make as much money as possible some of them are open some of them are closed whatever I know for a fact that if I approached most of their artists they would most of their artists would be happy to show with me and so like I'm fine with that so I want to go into we're going to talk about like what the future holds for you uh-huh. I know a little bit already because uh-huh. we've been talking outside of this. Interview. If you want to get more into like gallery stuff, I'm happy to do that. I too. do, but I want to yeah. hear about, this is exactly what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. Before we've talked, we talked often. We we do talk often. You said you had some sort of crazy stories, and I assume they have to sort of revolve around the gallery. But I, I'm interested to hear about like what has sort of transpired over the years and like what those interactions and sort of like what's happened. Well, I'm I'm working on a uh, piece that I'm writing at the moment. That's the, like wait, like a short essay or like yeah. A, well, it's actually for like a publication. Pretty long essay, but for 
something we know or not? It has first refusal. It's somewhere that you might know. And then if they don't take it, then it'll go somewhere else. But you're going to publish it. Yeah. Okay. It's about... The driving force behind that is about um, how I feel art fairs are are chipping away at the integrity of, of contemporary art. Did you do an art fair ever or not? Yeah. What did you do? Lost an incredible amount of money. Which one? What, but, All of them. Like, did you do New York and L.A.? Or what did you do? Yeah, the Paris, London. Oh, that's right. You did do Paris uh, International. Yeah. Right? You were on the top floor. Yep. I saw you there. That was a good... You had those uh, teal shoes on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did have the teal shoes. Fuck yeah, man. You remember yeah, the shit? The highlight. Highlight of the week. <laughs> Watching my bank account just slowly disappear and thinking about your teal shoes. Was that <laughs> <laughs> my shoes will forever be remembered about your with the downfall of your gallery. Uh-huh. Um, no, the that was a good space and like what you put together, but sure. you, you didn't make any money on it. Not even close. So what? Tell me about art fairs. Oh, there's too many, and there's also like so art fairs have kind of worked wormed their way into this space of being kind of the last acknowledged gatekeeper of authority or, or quality or something for a gallery that's trying to grow i feel like there is the last kind of gaugeable thing like the outwardly referenceable right force. and what you get into represents the hierarchy of what you're doing uh-huh. also so yeah, if you're what in like fairs you can get into so if you're in a side fair or if you're in basel or if you're in freeze and you're in yeah yeah or you know and it starts early i mean like i was approached by some feeder fairs within the first six months that i was open yeah, yeah. and at the time i was thankful and I, you know and I, I am still thankful it was like it was definitely an acknowledgement you know and I, and I appreciated that and i feel like a lot of the people that run fairs are fairly well intentioned i think but i remember seeing you and so like when we were in paris together it was mm-hmm. during main fiac right yes so during fiac this was the last year for official which was fiac's official side fair right and numbers were horrible like uh my gallery here in la actually went and did that with my work and one other person and they sold like bunk that's what I heard from a number yeah, of people. Yeah, that, that was, it was dead. And so that was the last year they did the side fair. But part of the reason was Paris International was opening up. And I remember going and seeing you in this thing. And it was in this giant townhouse in the middle of the city, yeah. in the middle of Paris. And yeah. thinking like, oh my God, this is where all the cool people are. Uh-huh. Like my gallery is not cool enough to be in this fucking thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you're in this cool space, but really it made no money. That's the beauty of the marketing of the fair, whether it's a startup right. fair or not, whether whether it's any one of the Basels or the first year in a fair in, in a inner city castle, which is basically what Paris International was. I mean, it's just like this idea of art fairs being this like cultural reference point and like party and celebration and like, you know, who's who, who celebrity endorsements and, and like corporate sponsorships and all this stuff is like, you know, you're supposed to be happy with losing an incredible amount of money just for the acknowledgement of getting in. Right. And, you know, if you look at a lot of the galleries that do Basel statements um, for the first time, I went through this list recently. Many of them, I've, I think, close don't to exist half, anymore. Close within three years. And so, who is that helping? Is that helping? It's not helping the artist at all. It's it's crippling art because if the focus is on fares, then everything has to be shippable for a fare. Has to be that size, which to, is an arm and a leg. It costs so much money. Yeah. Um, oh well, and the creativity of what you're like imposing on the artist to actually produce. Yeah, the borders are set. The parameters are set. It can't right. be bigger or smaller or whatever. You know, this idea of exposure. You know, I was watching this uh, guy, I can't remember his name, or the director of Basel, American guy. Basel, Basel. This the, the company. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. I watched this YouTube lecture that he did like, somewhere. And he, 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 very smart guy. 
and definitely knew what he was talking about. But there was this one little like sentimental moment that he had where he was like going to be like real with like the, you know I'm, let, me, let me break it down for you I'm going to be real with you, and he go, launches into this story about how the biggest benefit to his working with Basel is witnessing a gallery get into a Basel sector for the first time, and watching over the course of an afternoon in his words like watching the the direction of that gallery's career change forever in beneficial way, you know in 45 minutes a gallery can go from mid-tier to a-list and yeah all this and it's like it's just not true and that idea is being sold derivatively by smaller and smaller fairs so like but uh, don't you think like the gallerists are not dumb well okay then then i was dumb because i believe that too so you fed into the you fed into it you thought that like if i spend this money from an outside perspective it seemed like i was winning an award it, it's, it definitely seemed like this acknowledgement, this seemed like getting into Basel for, you know, a gallery of less than five years old right. is like winning a, it's like an art Oscar. It's a know? lottery, right? Like, yeah. you're like, holy shit, I made it. No, I, it's, I, I totally get you. The amount of pressure from artists dude, and from, from collectors and from art advisors to do these fairs is crippling. I recently, I got asked to donate a piece recently to an auction that was going to be a Hauser. How can I turn that shit down? I gave him a bronze. Uh-huh. So the amount of money that I gave them out of my pocket, it put me in the hole a substantial amount. Sure. Like a really, really a lot amount. Yeah. A lot of in, in hopes that someone who saw we'll that see auction it. would be like, who's this guy? I'm going to find out more about him. And, yeah. Or yeah. like it goes to a good person or even like, you know, I said this recently to one of the directors of Hauser. We were out and they were there and I said, look, I don't think I'm ever going to show a Hauser. Mm-hmm. That's not the end game for me here. How many people on the planet, living people on the planet can? Yeah, you like know what I mean? 30? So that's not that's not my end game. My end game is yeah. if I represent well, I can produce something, I get it done really well, I give you a good product, at least those directors at Hauser know mm-hmm. that I'm working my ass off to get to a certain point. And it's not like they don't talk to people. Sure. I mean, tell me this, mm-hmm. Michael. Like, how many times have you and I done this, like, individually, where we think that we're we're putting money into it? It's like the art fair thing. Right. And thinking that that's going to come out like eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I, this has been a main focus in my life over the last twelve months. Is this kind of idea of what am I willing to wager? And this is a question I've asked myself many, many times. And so, like around this time last year, so my gallery in LA, I, I built out like a loft area and I lived there. Yeah. Some people know that. Some people don't. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Well, there's there's a kind of a hidden second floor behind one of the back walls the rare. So you're saving money. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of only made it possible early on to do that. I, I couldn't imagine having to spend money on two separate rents. It would be crazy. By the way, I do that right now. My gar- my studio space is my garage. Yeah. If I had to have an actual studio space, yeah. I'd be fucked. Yeah. I, I couldn't afford it. Right. Especially, yeah. I mean, it's also, side note, the property value in LA has skyrocketed. Exponentially. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, when I moved here... Especially uh, commercial spaces too. Well, commercial and residential, but like, yeah. holy shit! Yeah, like when I moved here um, in 2011, I rented a one-bedroom house in Lincoln Heights for $900 a month. Oh my god, you'd be you, there's not anything even close. No, like that that same place is like over two grand now. I, I obviously have an eye on commercial spaces as well, you know, or industrial spaces. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, like, I like still look at them, just out of habit. 
there you know there's this era where anything kind of east of where we are right now which is echo park you could find something 50 cents a square foot 75 cents a square foot maybe a dollar and now it's like uh the, that area that like nicodem and and venus over la are boy heights yeah i guess uh, that, that well yeah that kind of low area where all the, like, the industrial zone like some of those spaces are four dollars a square foot that's now, insane you know so let's go back art fairs yeah <laughs> you're telling you're telling a good story about how shitty it is to like be well, a gallerist it's, a, it's, and, an, it's an insane amount of pressure especially when i was approaching this position of being uh, publicly associated with a, a group of artists that i had never formally said i was representing but it became clear that i was like in representing. the corner of a few people yeah and they had expectations and your artists yeah and it was like of course they do well yeah i mean it would be weird if they didn't obviously but those expectations because of this idea of like if I if I'm going to be working with you for a long time, I owe it to you to take you to a fair uh, solo, maybe you know once a year, once every two years. Yeah, do a group booth multiple times a year, probably. Yeah, yeah. You know, so get, my like, my rent at my, my gallery that I lived at and that I built out by hand, my rent was sixteen hundred dollars a month. That's cheap as fuck for the entire place. That's so cheap. So I was spending what twenty thousand dollars a year on rent. Yeah. Okay. I lost twenty two thousand dollars in four days at Nada. Holy crap. Yeah. So like how'd oh, you find it? Did you put fucked. it all on credit card or what'd you do? Um I had enough. At that but, at that time I But had that enough. eats away all your savings. You know? Like all the money you made early on those sales is out the door. Mm-hmm. So how many times do you gamble at that before? No, that, okay, I'm glad you used that word because that, that was so it is what it is, right? Right. So around this time last year, I was living upstairs and my good friend and artist uh Jake Cruzen was using the front two rooms of my gallery as a studio because I had to pay pop. the fucking rent. No, he was not paying me anything. Oh, really? Uh, no, I just had to stop doing shows because I couldn't afford to do them at that moment. Oh. So, like, I can't, I had four other things to do in 2016 that I canceled. I because you couldn't afford to even get the works in. I was literally afraid that uh, the lights would get shut off during a show. I was like terrified. I was like, I, like, I could have done a few things. The ang- Michael, the anxiety on that, like, the, the amount of stress. Yeah. No, no. So that's that's what I'm getting at. So like, so I spent a lot of time with Jake, and he. We have very similar backgrounds. Where how we grew up was very, is very similar, and uh, which is unique. I think we didn't really go into that, but well, we talked about this a little bit. You grew up poor. Yeah, food stamps poor. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, like to come up out of that is a big deal. Yeah, especially do it in to do it well yeah and you're always but you're always scrapping and working your ass off yeah so it means even more when you're when you sort of make it right the utter joy of being able to materialize a living out of thin air relying only on my taste senses and and intellects it's all you man yeah it's beautiful it's a magical thing and I, i i don't like that word but it is it's like it is the closest thing to magic that I can think of. I'm making a list of all the words you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to get too like you know new agey about it, but it's like to be able to exist on one's own accord is unique and special, and you know is is very hard to replicate. And I think for most people, and, and I, I never lost sight of how how kind of unbelievable that is. And so when I was talking to one of the many conversations I had with Jake was he was like, you're a gambler. And my first reaction was, I am not a gambler. I, I've never bought a scratch-off ticket in my life. I don't have any addiction problems other than this kind of off-and-on relationship with cigarettes. I, I've never, I'm not a 
big drinker, you know, like all these things. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't consider myself to be an addictive personality or a risk risk taker in, in a dangerous way, I guess. And, uh, he's like, no, you are. He's like, I am. My parents were, your parents were, we I, are. I'm totally that way. Yeah. And then I realized it took me a couple of days, but I was like, you know, fucking right. I'm gambling on myself in a way that is impossible to recoup. You know, like, like yeah. I'm gambling mental energy, stress, anxiety to a degree that is it like could, nearly it could, crippling. It could kill you. That's something that, yeah, I, 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 there was a point last year where I was like, if I continue this momentum in this direction with this amount of uh, velocity, yeah, yeah. this will kill me. I can't, I, mean, I don't want to, it's not worth it. It's not sustainable. It's not worth it. These last 12 months, you know, we're kind of like, had these shows lined up, was extremely afraid that like if I opened a show up, then the sheriff would come and like evict me. In the middle of the show. In the middle of the show. So I was like, I can't do that. That Just, just based on embarrassment alone, I couldn't do that. Or potential embarrassment. Uh, but that was leading up to doing the show with Jake, which actually did happen. And then like serendipitously ended up doing the show with Ashley Bickerton, which was his first. Which is amazing, by the solo way. Solo show in LA since in 30 I'm years. I'm like, what the hell? So you put on the, you hadn't had a show in a long time. And well, all of a sudden, it wasn't, had, it wasn't that long, but yeah. Well, but I mean, no, in yeah, months. Yeah, 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 in, in months, yeah. You didn't show it in months, and all of a sudden, you put on a show with Ashley Bakerton. I was like, where? Like, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. I, I knew that at the time. Like, it's crazy. I knew how it was going to look at the time. I'm yeah. like, how, how am I, how are people going to believe that I'm in debt and I have like $400,000 worth of work in a, in, in, this, a, in a room that's 200 square feet? Right. A tiny little room. Yeah. <laughs> it's half the size of this garage. Right, right, right. Yeah. And work that's new that no one had seen before. It was sort of from an amazing. artist who was like who was concurrently opening a show, you know a retrospective with Damien Hirst. Yeah, no, I just saw the show in London. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It was. Is it cool in life? In real life? Yeah, it is actually. Yeah. And a lot of the work like that you have is similar to the work that's right there right now. Yeah. It's the same shit. Damien Hirst is actually Bickerton's number one collector by far. Yeah, were well, they friends? Uh, they've become friends after he started collecting. Well, after actually, is that right? Yeah. I had no idea. I've actually talked about this with Ashley a number of times. So it harkens right back. Like, so was that your last show or what? It is, yeah. Okay, so this harkens right back to what the first show was, right? Uh, okay. No, no, how, no. How? In, in the way that you put on what you wanted to put on. Yeah. You produced this thing that was sort of incredibly tight. Gets all you. That literally no one else could have done. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's sort of, it's downright amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, I knew I knew that at the time. I came into, like I, I don't know, so I came into the Ashley show. Yeah, I remember. When I walked into the space, though, and saw the actual exhibition, like, the amount of effort and sort of energy put into that is very obvious right from the get-go. Uh-huh. So you're done, the show's down. It's been down since June Yeah, it's been 6th, down for a little I think, yeah. So the show's down. Yeah. We've talked about this. You're getting ready to leave town. Probably. So you don't know yet for sure. Well, it, the next it's up few the weeks are going to determine what's going to happen after. So you're you're in a place where you're you've run a gallery that was successful for you mm-hmm. in terms of what you put together. Again, I I definitely have this like Midwesternish guilt about like big upping myself, but I mean like I feel like feel how you want to agree with me or not. No one else could have done what I did. You put together a great a great program. Yeah. Thank you, and I agree. There are many times where I found myself lying on the floor of my own gallery and looking around and thinking, how the fuck Holy did shit. I do this? This is better than what I thought I could ever do. You know? So where do you, 
you get done with this. It became very clear to me around the summer of 2015 that things were shifting in a, in a way that I could not control. Like, like money-wise? Yeah. Things were moving in a direction that it was like unprecedentedly... This uh, is going to suck. Yeah. This is going to happen <laughs> soon. You know, I could feel it. You're like, oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, the party is over. You know, like, like how am I going to, how am I going to figure this out? Cause I, I, the first year that I ran the gallery, I had a full-time job that was separate than the gallery completely. I remember that. And I, we were introduced through that full-time job. Yeah, like, I was like, I met you at one of the weird, busiest times of my life. Like I had a full-time job. I was doing the mountain school and then I was also opening this fucking gallery. Like at the, like literally all the, the same fucking, the time. same month. Yeah. Yeah. But then, like, I got into the opportunity. I got in the position to be able to quit that job, and I, I could not do it fast enough. And I was living off sales for a while, like, you know, a couple of years. And uh, Which is sort of amazing. Yeah, it was great. And uh, and then, 2000, like, the summer of 2015 came along. I was like, all of a sudden, it was just crickets, you know. And, uh, and all of a sudden, like, you know, I had this little pile of money. Money was coming in. Money was going out. But the pile was there. And all of a sudden, money stopped coming in. The pile was, like, smaller and smaller. So I was like, well, I don't want to get another job. I've had a taste of what it feels like not to have one. So I kind of want to keep doing that. I'll start doing private sales. And I got into some crazy deals. Like, and I, I completed a few of them. Good ones? Yeah. Was, like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like six, seven figure work. You sold that shit? I sold six figure work. I almost sold a seven figure. Holy fuck. How did you get a commie painting, actually? How did you get a hold of the work? Just begging, asking. You knew a collector who. I knew a number of people to ask. Is it off of that like original like list that you like scammed? <laughs> no, I, just, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've ever sold anything because of my email list. Like where did directly you directly because yeah, of but list? like where so. did you? It was just from knowing people and you met somebody and you knew they had a piece. Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing about LA. There's like there's a handful of people who kind of all know each other who like. Some of them buy work just to buy work. Other ones buy work to sell work. Some of them buy work to own it and then also so was sell this, other things. Was this between two LA people that you sold shit or not? There was, you know, a dozen people maybe in LA that I felt comfortable approaching about. That's like, probably all there is, by the way, who actually buy work. That's probably totally true. Yeah, it's my experience is completely. Yeah, true. no, I think every gallerist that I've talked to is like that. That's probably the high end of the fucking figure. It's insanely incestuous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, how do those people already not know what the other people have? Well, so if you if if I were to find something that were uh, outside of that circle, yeah, then I might have a chance of getting it into that circle. Got you. You know, and that happened a couple times. It didn't happen a few times. And, and it was kind of got to the, the point where it was like... It's super stressful. Selling seven-figure work is completely different than selling something for $7,000. You know, there, there's nothing the same about it. Like, people flying in on private jets to look at a yeah. work and then flying out the same day. You oh, know, yeah, Like, that yeah. type of shit, where it's like, whoa, you know. You're like, setting up a, a viewing yeah. with passwords. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden... You know, what was a, a, a one, two transaction turns into like a one, two, three, four transaction with yeah. like other people in the mix and whatever else. And, you know, and your cut keeps getting smaller. Yeah, but 10% of $2 million. You no, know, you right. take that any day of the week. Right. <laughs> so, like, I, I tried to do that and uh, it, I, I did it with some success, but it, it, it just became very clear that that wasn't something I could depend on, you know, and, and it was nice when it happened. And, and so that was around the time where I was like, I got to cancel these shows. So, okay. So, where do you. You're done. Where do you go now? What are you going to do? 
The plan is right now, um, based on a uh, number of conversations I've had with some people from my past, I have the opportunity to uh, help set up a non-collecting museum in Minnesota, and that's what I'm about to go do. Um, Look to, into. Yeah, I'm going out there to do this kind of like fact-finding, circuit of meetings um, to see if I can, if the money's there. The, the building is there, um, but I'm not sure if the money's there, and so that's what I'm going to go do. And Are you excited? Yeah. I would be. I'm very excited. Yeah, it sounds um, amazing. It sounds like m- more up your ways, alley than everything. That's what everyone says, you know. And the, it's literally the last thing I would ever expect to have done. You know, since I since I was 17, I've uh, perpetually lived in larger and larger cities. And so right. the only places bigger than LA would be like Bombay or Tokyo or something. And so I mean, like, in terms of like my own personal narrative, it's kind of antithetical to anything I've done so far. But yeah, but I feel like it's the most carefully considered. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like everything else, not everything, but like a lot of the things that are the choices up to this point were sort of not haphazard, but sort of by default. Like you kind made, of like yeah, kind I mean, of. I mean, there was there was an incredible amount of strategy put into the gallery, but on a day to day basis, LA. yes, for L.A. No, 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 no. I was going to say, but on a daily basis, it's a uh, was kind of on the fly. Yeah. But I mean, the the overarching direction and theme and goal like those the path was clear from when i met you which was right at the beginning of all of this yeah to now still i've been doing one or more things a day that i had never done before that level of attention and it's hard to keep that going you know it's like it's draining right i'm like literally every day was like you know Today we've, you know, my goal today is to figure out what the fuck a, uh, I don't know, whatever, some some weird consignment form or something, yeah. you know, like there's something like that. Like where is this? Like uh, now today I have to figure out. You know, I guess I'm not thinking of any great examples. Well, but no, like, but like I I know exactly what you're talking you about. Know, like like you, there's some weird shipping thing where it's like I I quickly have to introduce myself to the idea of like transatlantic like shipping. You know, or like today yeah. I have to quickly introduce myself to the idea that this paint is somehow different than this other paint. Now I have to like yeah. paint everything over again. These things that seem small, but I mean like they, they're compounding in their anxiety. And it's like in the more things that I have to do, the more things that like I can't do them all at the same amount of they quality. All, there's something's got to be fall. Something has to fall off, right? Yeah. And many times more than more than one thing. So, yeah, yeah I mean like and I didn't have any employees. I, didn't have, I tried to have a couple of interns, but they were god awful. Like, Isn't that funny how that works? I'm excited for... What the future holds for you. And yeah, so am I. And like the, I mean, in I've, many ways, although this is a city that I kind of had sworn I would never live in again. I mean, if you take that out of the equation, I'll, you know, potentially have a, a really good travel budget, which I'm excited about. And um, but, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a real, it's a real issue. Greater than that. I don't know who sees these shows online. I yeah. know, I know people yeah, yeah, yeah. do, um, but I mean, I know who comes in. That's really the only, I, I, you know, I can see who comes in and Thankfully, a lot of people come in. Yeah. Parenthetically, a lot of the same people come in. And so, like, to do what I want to do and to exhibit contemporary art, which I undeniably feel like is my life's work in one way or another, yeah. to an audience that potentially could take something with them in, in a way that no one that you and I would know could. Yeah is extremely exciting idea to me and like exhilarating right yeah i think about myself when i was in high school did not have a great time 
you know, there, I, I did not enjoy living in that city when I was, when I was well, the opportunity to see the things they'd never be able to see otherwise. Like yeah. what do they got? The venue for there is the Walker. Right. Which is two hours away, which in LA terms is nothing. But when you're 14, you never, you never go. You're going to walk. Like, what are you going to do? You know, you never go, never go. You know, I remember this, there's this one guy, uh, it's a good friend of mine, um, from when I was like 14, 15, who was this kind of like f- this freakishly knowledgeable 14 year old. And he was telling me about, uh, John Cage when we were 14. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like he, was, he, was, like, 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 he was trying to explain <laughs> 433 to me. And I was like, what? You know, he's uh-huh. like, he's like, he's like, he's a composer, but his thing is just like silence. That's like his thing. And I was like, I could, I couldn't understand what he was saying, but just the, I, I, it wasn't for years that I figured out who he was talking about. Really? Right. The drop of that idea, like I've never shook that. And so if there's, uh, if I can, by doing what I want to do there, if I can have that effect on, you know, hopefully more than one person. Yeah. But, but like a handful of people, then uh, the world will be a better place. It's totally worth it. Right. Yeah. I can do more there than I can do here. I hope we get down the road and we post this and like shit's already sort of happened. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not worried about what I can or can't do. I'm, no, I'm, I'm just worried. I, what I want to make sure is I don't end up just working in some gallery that I don't care about. That's well, like, that's the worst thing in the yeah, world, right? Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on, but also for being incredibly honest and like sort of straightforward about everything that we've been talking about. Yeah. I usually, we talked about this before we started. I usually lay out like a, a game plan, like an outline for what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I did not take any notes. <laughs> I sort of left this open to conversation today, and I'm really happy that I did because we have reached a point where I understand where you're at more now than I did in the beginning. It's really, it's super relevant. But anyway, thank you for taking the time, man. No, thanks for thanks for doing this. It's nice to have a venue to talk about this in a way that I, th- I don't, I haven't talked about this with many people. And so like, I, I, I kind of feel like I owed it to myself to have this documented in one way or another. And have it out there. Yeah. Like vocal. Yeah. yeah. Michael, thank you so much, mate. Thank you. Okay.